Welcome back to the big program just after 10 o'clock, final hour of the week on the Kevin Carey Show on Sports 1440. Time now for the uh, Puck Report brought to you by Fountain Tire. Right now during the Road Ready Sales event, you can save up to $225 off select tires and a bonus of $50 off any service until December the 16th. Book your appointment at FountainTire.com. Some restrictions do apply as we welcome in David Dork from the uh, Hockey News, covers the Florida Panthers. Morning, Dave. Uh, Welcome to Sports 1440. Hey, morning, Kevin. Thanks for having me on. Well, thanks for coming on. And just to recap last night's game before we kind of look at tomorrow's Florida Oilers game. So last night, uh, Florida in Vancouver, 4 nothing shutout. Thatcher Demko at 36 saves. What did you make of uh, last night's tilt in Vancouver? It was uncharacteristic of the Panthers just to give up as many opportunities as they did and uh, to see Sergei Bobrovsky struggle the way he did. Uh, Florida's been a pretty solid road team this year, and they were coming off uh, really their their worst road loss of the season uh, before in, coming to Vancouver. They lost 4 nothing to Seattle, a team that had lost eight games in a row uh, before the Panthers arrived. So to see them not come back with a stronger effort in Vancouver was surprising. And now they're going into a bit of a gauntlet with um, Edmonton and uh, Calgary coming up. So last night, it was 11-7, I believe. Did the Panthers go with the 7-D, 11 forwards? Yeah, right before the game, there's a little flu bug going through the mm-hmm. team. Uh, Anton Lundell uh, missed yesterday's game because uh, he's under the weather. And then right before the game, they scratched uh, Diona Gadovich also uh, because of an illness. So uh, they've right now they've been rolling with eight defensemen on the 23-man roster uh, just because they've had an abundance of D with uh, Brandon Eckblad coming back from IR. Uh, so they were able to roll that way. Uh, but, yeah, that's, uh, it's just going to depend in terms of how they, uh, they approach that coming into tomorrow's game in Edmonton. It's just going to be like who's who's well enough to play. David Dwork, our guest on Sports fourteen forty. How would you assess the play of Sam Reinhart this year? Just off to a fabulous start with seventeen goals and twenty helpers. Yeah, it, it's really just been a case of Sam Reinhart consistently playing the way that, or it's more more consistently producing the way that he's done in in stretches throughout his time with the Panthers. He's had some ridiculous hot streaks, and then he's gone, you know, like eight to ten games where he'll have maybe one or two points. This season, it's just been very consistent in terms of producing both goals, assists, uh, and, and just adding to the way that he's been really an exceptional. You don't really hear about it that much, the way he's a, this great two-way player uh, and, and just an intelligent guy on, on the ice. Paul Maurice always talks about when he wants to go, when he wants to know what's going on with the team, what's going wrong, he always goes to Sam Reinhart first as he's a guy who's really able to uh, just explain what's happening on the ice. Uh, you know, he's, he compares him to like Ron Francis in terms of guys he's coached and the smartest players that he's coached. Uh, so it's really good to see it happening for Sam Reinhardt this year, beneficial for him because, you know, obviously he's in a contract year and he'll be getting a nice, uh, a nice paycheck from it, uh, you know, when all is said and done. Uh, but yeah, good for him. And uh, we'll see if he keeps rolling throughout the year. Maybe get his first all-star selection. Hey, David, last time the Oilers and Panthers met in uh, FLA, Alexander Barkov did not play, but is he back up and running and back up to 100%? Yeah, Barkov has, has been playing well. His line with Reinhardt and uh, the last couple of games has been Carter Verhage. Uh, that Whatever line Barkov, whoever's line mates have been, whether it's Verhage or whether it's been uh, Evan Rodriguez on that left side, it's been so productive this year, just in terms of obviously the way that they're putting the puck in the net. Uh, but the way that they defend, the way that they possess the puck, it's been incredibly effective. And Barkov is the guy that fuels it. Uh, and, yeah, he's right now playing at full strength. Uh, probably, yeah, I'd have to say running away in terms of early Selkie favorites with the way that he's playing right now. 
And uh, that's that's been probably Florida's most consistent line. What about on the back end, as we're speaking with David Dwork from the Hockey News covers the Florida Panthers, finally got some guys back, in, in particular Aaron Ekblad, uh, back in the lineup after, you know, having some injuries. But what's the back end been looking uh, like, even though they, they had to go with the, uh, the the seven guys last night? Yeah, Florida, they've actually become, I think, one of the better defensive teams in the league, uh, just in terms of the, how few goals they give up and the way that their defense fuels uh, the way that they uh, produce offensively. Uh, they were surprisingly, just in terms of the personnel, surprisingly solid early in the season playing without Ekblad and Montour. So to add those two guys to the mix uh, a few weeks back, it's, it's just kind of you know, been fuel to the fire for this unit. Uh, in terms of the depth, now it's just the, the question becomes, how does that all play out? Because now the Panthers, you know, like you were saying, they've, got, uh, they've dressed 70. They've got eight on the roster right now, which Paul Maurice has said, you know, if, if his ideal situation is 13 forward, 70, 22 guys in the roster. And uh, right now you wonder if it's what they're going to have, is that maybe a, a couple extra chips to play with as we get you know towards the new year and closer to the trade deadline. Uh, what's going to happen in that regard? We know Florida was in play with Patrick Kane. Uh, so clearly that Bill Zito was always looking to improve the roster. So defensive depth is going to be key for the Panthers. And right now, you know, barring any injuries, they've got an abundance of it. Yeah. Uh, Josh Mahura, he's a local product from uh... – uh, Edmonton area. How's he fit into the picture on the back end? He's been incredibly consistent for a guy that the Panthers pulled off the waiver wire right before the season. He ended up playing all 82 games for the Panthers last year, every playoff game on their run to the Stanley Cup final. The only reason he's been out is because of an injury uh, that he suffered right around when Montour and Ekblad were coming back. I think it was a game or two before they both came back when Florida was on a West Coast road trip uh, last month. Um, Mahura, he's off IR. He's been practicing with the team. It's just a matter of when they're going to be able to pop him back into the lineup because Paul Maurice doesn't really like to mess with his Z pairings very much. But with between the illnesses right now and with the little fluidity between Dmitry Kulikov and Uvis Balinskis uh, as that sixth defenseman, you do have to wonder if maybe Mahura going back home, uh, he's been ready. So maybe he will get into a game over this weekend. David Dwork from the Hockey News covers the Florida Panthers as our guest on Sports 1440. The Panthers take on the Oilers tomorrow. 8 o'clock start at Rogers Place. Uh, the Oilers' eight-game winning streak snapped last night, courtesy Tampa Bay in a 7-4 loss at Rogers Place. Uh, at the start of the year, did you feel that there was maybe any inkling of a, a Stanley Cup Finals hangover uh, with the Panthers after a remarkable playoff run last year? And if you did, David, has that ended and are they already kind of looking and you know because we're kind of at the halfway point creeping up to it here so if they are if there was is that kind of ended going into the second half coming up here no it's actually it's been almost the opposite of the of a hangover they showed up incredibly focused and good to go uh there was even the first two games of the year like they they started on the road and they started zero and two uh, they lost uh, a really kind of ugly 2 nothing game in Minnesota. And you're wondering, like, that exact question, like, is this a hangover? Is there going to be any residual from last year? And they snapped right back into form. They didn't panic. It was much of what we saw a lot of during last year, late in the season and during the playoffs, just this very mature team that didn't seem to, you know, worry about anything bad when it happened and just continue to trust the process and trust what they were doing. And that's been the case all this season, whether, you know, before Aaron Ekblad and Brandon Montour came back in, you mentioned that Sasha Barkov had been out of the lineup. Sam Bennett missed a good amount of time early in the year on two separate lower body injuries, and they've just kind of continued to churn away. 
now they're finally getting healthy at their, you know, whether it's the right time or not, is it ever the right time other than the playoffs? But right now they're finally getting all healthy. And it's interesting that now they've dropped two games in pretty ugly fashion. So, you know, the, the Panthers are clearly in a position right in a transitional period right now with everybody getting on the same page. Uh, how it plays out is going to be something that I'm very curious to see. But, you know, there's no better time to do it than on the road, right? Um, and, Dave, what, what kind of moves do you think that GM Bill Zito will be looking to make uh, moving forward to, you know, put Florida in a position where the Panthers can kind of replicate and, you know, do what they did last year in the playoff? I mean, Bill Zito is always, as he's displayed since he got hired uh, in September of 2020, he's always looking to make whatever moves are available to help the team. I think based off of the way the roster is made up right now, it's hard to see them looking to really add much on the back end. Forward depth has been the name of the game with the Panthers. That's one of the reasons that they were able to be as good as they were last year on their playoff run was just not just because of their health, but because they were able to roll four lines uh, pretty consistently at you. So if they can add a couple of pieces, you know, on the forward, whether it's uh, something in the top six or whether it's in the bottom six, uh, but that's basically what I would think Zito would be looking at this point. Uh, just because, you know, defensively they're pretty set. And goaltending-wise, you know, you know, unless there's some Sergei Borowski move out there that I'm not aware of, they're going to be pretty locked in there as well. So uh, to see them fortify the forward ranks is something that would not surprise me at all, and I would imagine Zito would be in on a couple of big moves that they're out there to make. Last night in Vancouver, there was a goaltending change. Only one Vancouver shot in the third period. Who do you think we see tomorrow night in goal uh, against the Oilers for the Panthers? Yeah, that's a good question. I, I would think that they were probably going to go with one of each this weekend, uh, whether they give Sergei Borowski a chance to bounce back. It was one of his rougher nights of the season. And Bob is a guy who, if you give him the opportunity, he'll play 82 games if you let him. So I would imagine he wants to get right back out there. Yeah, I, game that was, you know, led to that rough. You no, know, you, you love a goalie assist, except when it goes to the wrong team. <laughs> but um, I, I would bet that, you know, if I had to, you give Sir David Rossi the net back and you let him bounce back. You give him a chance to bounce back uh, in a big spot against the Oilers. Uh, Florida outshot uh, Vancouver last night, 36-18. So uh, did you think that Florida held better part of the play against uh, the Canucks, or how did you kind of see that? Well, they certainly did during the third period. You know, as you said, I think the final shots in the third were like 14 or 15 to 1. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's just the result of the way that Florida's played a lot of the year. And even in the game previous uh, in Seattle, where Florida kind of controlled much of the play and the score didn't match what we saw on the ice just because, you know, a, good, a few good opportunities are put in the net on one side and the other team, a great goaltender, makes some big saves. And that's what happened with Joey Decord in Seattle. And that's what happened with Thatcher Demko last night in Vancouver. So, you know... It, where is are things going to even out for the Panthers? You would think that's why this is a team that doesn't really, you know, get too worried or too upset in these situations because they know that they're playing the way ultimately they want to play. And perhaps, you know, bounces aren't going their way. You can lean on the analytics with, you know, Paul Maurice always kind of rolls his eyes when he talks about. But, yeah, I wouldn't really think the Panthers are in a funk right now as much as they're not getting results that they'd like. So it's going to be a tough test, as I said, with Edmonton and Calgary coming up. But, you know, this is a team that's welcomed those kind of challenges. Hey, David, thanks for uh, taking the time this morning. Really appreciate it, and uh, look forward to uh, watching tomorrow's Florida Oilers game. Thanks for this, and happy holidays to you. No, same to you, man. Have a good one. All right, that's David Dwork from the Hockey News covers the uh, Florida Panthers and uh, our puck report. Brought to you by Fountain Tire. You can head to fountaintire.com to check out their winter tire lineup and brand 
offerings. A few notes around the sporting world. Patrick Liney expected to be sidelined six weeks with a broken collarbone. And then, you know, when you're sitting in the studio and one Connor Halley comes in and gives a high five to the Duke of Delbert, it can only mean one thing. It can only... Christmas has come early for the LA Chargers and their fan base. Yeah, and uh, they fired the head coach about 10 minutes ago. Despite uh, Brandon Staley saying that he deserves to remain the head coach of the Chargers, uh, last night's nine-touchdown outing is a defensive and, in a way, offensive effort because (laughs) the Raiders descored a couple against the Raiders. uh, Yes, Brandon Staley has been relieved of his duties as head coach of the LA Chargers. So, okay, 63-21 last night. And we've been we we actually discussed that Staley would be let go weeks earlier. Why now? Like why not a couple of weeks before? I, I just chatted with Connors. I, I stepped out of the studio while you're on with David, and basically he said that uh, if the Chargers had only lost by ten, maybe even uh, in the into the second tier of uh, double digits last night, it probably would uh, once again push to just keeping him on till the end of the season uh, because they're like we said earlier with Eddie there's not really somebody here to, to take over the reins down the stretch but uh, with that like that that's an embarrassment I don't care mm-hmm. if it's your backup quarterback in you're without your top wide receiver this is a division rival the same record as you they're also playing what's sort of a backup quarterback um, and, and you get absolutely run out of their building uh, like I said two defensive touchdown for the Raiders seven on offense including a, a receiver throwing a pass for a TD, he was bad. and and he he's a defensive head coach, and their defense has been bad the majority of this season. It, it it's not a good scene down in LA. They still got lots of talented players, but they're spending a lot of money uh, for not uh, much in terms of results right now. Last year in the playoffs, am I correct in saying this? They were up what twenty eight nothing. I think it was 21. Or 27. It, 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 27. 27 nothing. It, it was enough for my uh, Chargers money line bet to cash. But uh, lost to the Jacksonville Jaguars after being up twenty-seven nothing last year. Lose in a thirty-one wild, wild card playoff game. Should have been fired after that. Embarrassing. Yeah. Wow. Anyway, well, that's how she goes. Uh, when we come back, ah, looking forward to this. Uh, Lenny Andrechuk will uh, guest with us. Uh, you may have heard him on the Jason Greger show yesterday, but a great event coming up tomorrow with the uh, superheroes and the Edmonton Fire Department. It will be our St. Albert Dodge game of the day. Uh, That's coming up right after the break on the Kevin Carey Show on Sports 1440. Stay with us. You know, I honestly thought, Duke, we were going to have another Christmas kind of theme song there. Instead, you go with the Jukebox Hero. Yeah, I love that song. Oh yeah. Well, uh, we'll save our last Christmas song of the day for the uh, the outro of the show. How's that? No. Oh the. Well, we gotta have the well, ten forty. Oh right, I guess. Oh, we dude. had we talked about this dilemma for next week when your mother made yes. a request, but Tom Jackson, you, you, Silent you, you, Night. You basically cast that request aside and said zero chance, mum. For today, anyway. For today, you gotta have. You gotta have more Christmas music coming up uh, during Fantasy Frenzy with uh, Connor Halley and myself. Sonny James running back to Saskatoon. That's how we close it out, Duke. You know that. Uh, Time now for our game of the day, brought to you by Saint Albert Dodge. And this is why it's so cool that we've been doing this segment with uh, Saint Albert Dodge the last couple of weeks. We can go from anywhere, like yesterday, where we featured the Oilers game with Tampa Bay. Previously, we've gone to the CSSHL. We've done the AJHL. We've done various sports. We've done anything. And this falls into another category, but it's going to be such a fantastic day 
that we thought it would be the St. Albert Dodge game of the day. Brought to you by St. Albert Dodge. Uh, join in the holiday cheer. Help St. Albert Dodge fill their Ram 1500 with toys for the Salvation Army. Stop in, say hi at the north end of St. Albert Trail as we welcome in Lenny Andrewchuk to the program. Lenny, uh, you were here on Sports 1440 with Jason Gregory yesterday, but it's such a good game tomorrow that we thought we'd, uh, it was so nice we would do it twice. So uh, <laughs> thanks for it. coming in again. We go way back, Lenny. Man, do we ever. When, when did we work? Well, how many oh, years? At, at, God, that was, was like a, 2007 I started at Global. And uh, so, yeah, I was there for so eight, nine years. Yeah, so, 15 yeah, we had, a, years, we had yeah. a good run. Yeah, that was We used all. to go for a couple of pops every <laughs> on Fridays, you know. We've been known to do yeah, that. Yeah, it was a good time to wrap up the week. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, nice to see, like, you know, a few salespeople get off their wallet over there. Yeah, you know? well, you know, we were making a little more than minimum wage, so we were able to do that once in a while. All the on-air talent would slide out and say, hey, uh, yeah, can you put this on your tab? You know, of course, Especially Steinke. Yeah, now, there, right, of There's course. a guy with short arms when it comes to the bill. I learned that early on when he said, do you want to go for lunch? No, I want to take you for lunch. I thought, well, fantastic. And until the bill came. Yeah, yeah, stanky. Come on, wake up, Gord. So it's a big game tomorrow, Kinsman Twin Arenas, and it's the Hockey Heroes against the Edmonton Fire Department. So how did this all come about just for tomorrow's game before we get to the, the history of uh, Hockey Heroes? Well, it's actually within the Hockey Heroes program. It's our superheroes. Okay. And uh, we, we, over the course, um, we've run the program for five years. And, and after a year, you know, we lost a couple of years to COVID. But we started getting exhibition games for the kids. We, you know, we are integrating them into a game to give them an opportunity to play something that most kids have the opportunity to enjoy. And we thought, well, the progression as they learn to skate a little bit is, of course, exhibition games. So we started playing against the U of A Pandas. And so the tradition came became exactly that. We. Uh, had a U18 team in to play our kids. But I, you know, I was looking at the beginning of the year and I thought, you know, what do kids enjoy? All kids. Well, they love firemen. They love policemen. They love uniforms. They love fire trucks. And I thought, so I reached out to buddy of mine, Cody Smith, and uh, he's a firefighter. And, um, and I said, I have an idea. And is this something that you guys might be interested in? And they, you know, they were amazing. So they, uh, they're coming out to play our kids in an exhibition game. They're, uh, they're bringing the uh, honor guard and pipes and mm. drums out to celebrate our kids. Um, of course, the firefighters are local union 209. <laughs> and uh, so it's, uh, there's a truck park in the front. So kids get to go on a truck and meet a fireman and get some pictures and, and then play some hockey. Who are these kids? What makes them so special? Well, you know, they're special for a variety of reasons, but our program gears, um, our program is geared. Superheroes are kids with cognitive and physical disabilities, uh, predominantly Down syndrome and autism. And, um, you know, Hockey Heroes as a program has been running for over 20 years, and it it in itself was catering to kids um, at risk youth in in inner cities. And we've since developed, I I launched a program in Edmonton through Big Brothers 20 years ago, and now they've launched programs in cities across the country. So we're a national program, and and they saw a big void in activities for kids with disabilities and, and thought, why not hockey? So they contacted me um, because I'm, I'm still coaching. Uh, I've been doing it for 23 years with Special Olympics track and field. And they said, you've got some experience working with people with disabilities. Would you like to start this program up? And away we ran. So it, uh, it has been nothing short of fantastic. 
So the superheroes launched in Calgary, but it's all over Western Canada now. Yeah, it's actually it's going right across the country. I think it's in Ontario. And okay. So yeah, there um, it's it's massive. The need is is great. Um, we we doubled our program. We went from twenty kids to forty. And um, and there's a lineup. I mean, there is waiting lists. I mean, I, I don't know where this is going <laughs> to. I might be I might be at a, an arena twelve hours every Saturday well, if this keeps up because of the demand. But it's uh, it's been amazing. So what's the demand from the kids? Because you got there's so many you want to help and they want to be a part of this. Yeah. And then you get you know um, the firefighters, like you say, the policemen. They want to be a part of it too. Yeah. So it's a big demand. It well, it really is, and it and, and it it all goes back to just. People with intellectual disabilities in general and, and in integrating into society, it's, you know, kids kids all over North America are playing hockey and have it, those opportunities. And, and unfortunately, kids with disabilities sometimes don't have the same amount of opportunity and especially something unique like hockey, because I can, I can assure you that when we started the program and putting having an autistic boy or girl or somebody, you know, one of the kids with Down syndrome, putting blades on their feet and having them step onto a foreign surface is challenging, but it has been embraced and met head on, and uh, the outcome has been fantastic. If people come out tomorrow mm-hmm. and watch, we've got the kids that we still kind of have to pick up and move in front mm-hmm. of the net and put the puck on their stick. Um, we've got kids that are flying around the ice. Like you would, it is, you know, some are on the higher end of the spectrum, some are on the lower end of the spectrum. So their development, like in all things life, some take longer than others, but there's, there's time and space for everybody. Lenny Andrichuk is our guest on Sports 1440 on this Friday morning. It's a big event tomorrow at uh, the Kinsman Twin Arenas on 111th Street. It's in the morning, 9 o'clock, the superheroes versus the Edmonton firefighters. I always say when... When people get involved in events like this, there's there's an old saying, I get more out of it than the kids get out of it. And that's how you feel, I guess, being a part of that. And I'm sure that's how the firefighters and the police and everyone else yeah. that gets out there and puts themselves in a position to help things out. You'd, you'd, you'd have to check your pulse if you didn't go home With feeling a, a sense of warm and <coughs> um, fuzzy. Yeah. 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 But you know, I, you know, it, it's interesting cause I've spent, you know, it's going on 23 years in this community as a whole. And, um, Boy, I'll tell you, it it has. I've had to check myself. You know, at that moment in time when Wi-Fi's out, and you think of your athletes, and and you know, every time life has a crisis, you you put it in comparison to what um, the great athletes I work with go through every day, and so it adds perspective to life. And I think that's kind of what it is. And you know, the foundation of all great organizations, not for profit, is the volunteers and the group of volunteers that I have in our program, Kevin, are just phenomenal. And we have a lot of young adults. It's amazing. You always hear this broad stroke of a brush comment about kids today. And I'm going, you know what? I can introduce you to a bunch of them that are just amazing. They, they genuinely lead with their hearts. They care. <clears throat> the relationships that they build, because again, the, our biggest challenge with younger adults with disabilities is to first develop a relationship enough where they feel comfortable, they trust, and at that point, they begin to open up through familiarity. And then once those gates open, how they respond to your direction and guidance and mentorship is absolutely amazing. So yeah, there's. I tell my, I tell my coaches almost every week, I said, you know, this morning you changed the life 99.9% of Edmontonians didn't. Never forget that. So how can people help out, uh, not just tomorrow, but moving forward? How can <coughs> our listeners help out? What, what can uh, people do? 
Well, there's, you know, a variety of things. I mean, um, we're always recruiting. We've expanded our program so we could use more volunteers. And I tell everybody, if you're interested in the program, we have two sessions, 815 to 915, 915 to 1015, uh, September to March. So if you're interested in coaching, come out and watch the program. Bring your skates and we'll team you up with another coach and experience it firsthand. Um, you know, the, I, I'd like to say we want way more kids in our program, mm-hmm. but there's a waiting list as is. That said... I encourage families to come out and watch the program. If you have a child or a family member or somebody you know with a, a cognitive disability or physical disability that you think might fit, just come meet me. Come talk to me about it. Um, you know, the other side of the equation, we are between hockey heroes and superheroes. We have over 30 chapters across the country now. Um, it's free to everybody who participates, including in the first year when we put them out, we outfit them all in equipment and everything. So, you know, corporate sponsorship is is the foundation of most not-for-profit. We're no different. So if people believe in the cause and, and experience firsthand what the outcome is based on our efforts, we're mm-hmm. always looking for support in our community to be able to, first and foremost, expand the program to ensure that we can provide more opportunity for those kids waiting to join. Lenny Andrichuk is our guest on Sports 1440, and our St. Aubert Dodge Game of the Day is tomorrow morning. It's at the Kinsman Twin Arenas at uh, bright and early, nine bells uh, till 10 o'clock at 10.15, pardon me, uh, tomorrow morning. So it'll be the hockey heroes, superheroes, against the uh, Edmonton Firefighters. Now, you did mention, Lenny, about families not sure I mean, about getting involved with the, if their child has, as you said, a physical or a cognitive disability because they're not sure about how to get involved, what happens, what the process is. How do you help those families out to feel more at home, more welcome, uh, feel like you're not on the outside looking in? What do you right. do to, to help them along the way? Well, we um, through the group recruitment process, they get they get a lot of information on the front end. Um, but as they join the program, um, I do full on full orientations with families. I talk about their participation in ours. We talk about expectations. Um, you know, we have some kids that are on the lower end of the spectrum that walking into dresser room hmm. with thirty people can be overwhelming with all the noise. So we we have the time and patience to allow the chi- child to. Um, become comfortable within an environment. So we, we just continually, I, I, I communicate a ton through email, of course. Um, we, we, every week at the rink, I'm sometimes on the ice, but more often not spending time with families. So you deal with individual crises, individual situations. Um, and it's, it's really about an ongoing process. It, it, you, you, you know, because a lot of this, especially in younger, younger children, <clears throat> The parents in the medical community alike mm-hmm. are trying to figure out what these disabilities are and the ways to best treat them. And and so we're evolving every week with these kids, and they're changing, and, and we're adapting. So it, it, it yeah. it's not as simple as explaining, like in minor hockey, you, you have a parents meeting and go, here's our year. Mm-hmm. For us, it's every week. So it's just an ongoing process of nurturing and information and ensuring that um, we have all the time in the world to allow their child um, time to develop and adapt to what it is we're doing. Uh, if they have questions, we're always available to answer them. There's a lot of information on the website. And then, you know, um, Kevin Hodgson, our executive director nationally, is always available to talk. So <clears throat> there's a lot of resources of support and availability to provide more information, guidance, and direction uh, throughout the experience. And you have to make the kids feel comfortable. Yeah. 
you know, for our listeners out there, if you're a rec hockey player, just think about this. And you're going to go play rec hockey for the first time and you don't know anyone in the room. You walk in the room, it's sort of an uncomfortable feeling for you. Think about how it is for these kids yeah. that they go into a room and they're unsure of what they are going to be undertaking yeah. for that day. So when you can make them feel comfortable and welcome, yeah. it goes a long way. Yeah, they uh, trust is everything. And, um, you know, these little ones are so courageous. I mentioned this yesterday. I mean, they, they're just, they're amazing. So so it's, a, it's an evolution again. When I meet, like this year, we had a brand new uh, group of players and families so, I, you know, I explained to them, I said, to start the year, we'd like you in the dress room so there's some familiarity with mm-hmm. your child. But our goal is to eventually get you guys out yeah. so you can sit in the stands. But until each child feels comfortable enough where a coach can help them get dressed or tie their skates. So, it, it, you know, it's a life program. We're, we're not under a specific timeline, but you're, you're absolutely right. <clears throat> and kids are different. Every child in the world is different. Everybody adapts. Some kids are great in a, mm-hmm. in a strange environment. Other kids take longer to adapt. But, but again, I go back to the volunteers. I mean, it is, it's, it's hard to put your finger on it sometimes because people said like, how, like parents are seeing kids that are non-communicative, that are looking at the ground, who are not making eye contact, who don't, don't converse with us in any way, six weeks later are walking in with a smile, saying hi, high-fiving, are excited to be going to hockey every morning. And the parents, you know, I find this in Special Olympics, parents are going, how do you do it? And I said, you know, it's, it's a magical energy that kind of happens organically, and I can't really put my finger on it, but I always resort back to the volunteers that mm-hmm. everybody in, is instinctive and everybody knows good people, and eventually you trust those that you believe in, and we have the kinds of volunteers that provide that safe environment. Uh, Lenny, am I missing anything? Anything you want to add? No, you know, it's, it's, it's a, you know, of course, thank you so much for the opportunity to be here. And we just, uh, you know, I, I, I kind of mentioned something yesterday and it, it's interesting. There's an underlying message here to families in general. <clears throat> I had the privilege of coaching minor hockey for a number of years. I coached midget triples, came back to Edmonton, started coaching with my brother Adams and Peewees. And I learned a lot about the way hockey's evolved. And a lot of anxious parents want to see their children play professional hockey. Mm-hmm. And I've talked to a lot of parents about that. And I said, you know what? Um, your child is healthy. Um, you're blessed with this great health. And they have the world in front of them. They have opportunities that are endless. Our kids don't allow these younger adults today to just embrace the true spirit of the game, which is fun, and allow their growth to be able to take them on a journey that they want to do. So, um, yeah, if you can come out and watch tomorrow, you'll truly understand the spirit of minor hockey by watching kids that just embrace this privilege to play the game. Mm-hmm. Lenny, thanks for coming in. Appreciate Always it. a pleasure. Thanks so much. That's uh, our St. Albert Dodge Game of the Day brought to you by St. Albert Dodge. It's the superheroes versus the Edmonton firefighters. It's tomorrow, 9 o'clock in the morning, 10.15 at the Kinsman Twin Arenas. If you've got a chance to head down, you'll probably feel inspired in that hour and some uh, by just checking things out. Uh, Game of the Day brought to you by St. Albert Dodge. Uh, They have 165 Ram 1500s all dressed up and waiting for you with an incredible 20% off MSRP. That's a savings of up to $14,000. Ask for Brad McCrory. Tell him KK sent you. Ask him about his penalty minutes when he was with the Fort Saskatchewan Traders. It's got to be a mistake on Hockey DB. More to wrap things up on the Kevin Carey Show on Sports 1440. Right after the break, stay with us. Oh, just every week, it's just the Bottom best week at 1040. Sonny James from Slapshot. Without question, the greatest Christmas movie ever. It's got to be, there's got to be a Christmas tree in there sometime, somewhere, right?
Uh, oh, I, sure. There has to be. Uh, according to this uh, version of the song I play on YouTube, released as a single on January 6th, 1975. There you go. Well, that slap shot's right in there. Yeah. You know, they had- so it was proud to be released uh, around Christmas time. Sure. Got a text from Brad McCrory from uh, St. Albert Dodge <laughs> and saying that, no, those pims are all true. Uh, 93-94, Brad McCrory, Fort Saskatchewan Traders, 406 penalty minutes. The year after 411, only 277. Looks like he might have got hurt for a couple of years or something. <laughs> Probably suspended. And then I uh, went on to play Nate where he had 99 PIMS in one. You can't, in college hockey, you don't get 100 PIMS. That is almost impossible. Or, just, at least, you know, or at least we would think so. So I've known Brad now for a few weeks and enjoy his texting. And he's a very, seems like a mild-mannered guy, you know, <laughs> like very calm. 400, two in a row, though. That's a lot of penalty minutes. Hmm. What's your top PIM in the... Uh, for the uh, Delburn, whatever it is. Though. Well, for the senior outlaws uh, yeah. in my one one season and a couple games played, because um, we started the, started the season during COVID, tried to get this weird version of the year going, but we played two games, season got canceled, then a full season next year. Um, I think my most PIMS ever were probably in that my first ever game hmm. because I had to serve two minutes for too many men on the ice despite... And man, my coach, who is uh, who's actually like my dad's cousin, uh, cousin Derek, which once again, go, I say, I feel like I say this every time. I'm related to basically half of Delburn, if not more. But mm-hmm. anyway, Coach Derek um, thought it was my fault that we got a too many men penalty, but I am adamant to this day that it was not. It was Justin Whittemore's who came <laughs> out because the defenseman went in the forward door for some reason, and I was like, "That's my guy. I'm going out." Whittemore goes out. We get too many men. The problem is, I'm the one that realized we had too many men first, so I'm like busting back to the bench. We get whistled down. I'm standing there at the bench. Coach Derek tears a strip off me, tells me to go serve the penalty because I'm so uh, so dumb, which, fair enough, uh, but not related at that mm-hmm. moment. I am dumb. Uh, so I think that's the – maybe – I think I never had more than a penalty in a game in, a, in senior hockey. Mm. Beer league hockey, on the other hand, I, I tend to rack up a few. We have the same okay. we have the same refs all the time, right, yeah. Kevin? So some of my tricks of the trade that I like to think are pretty sly, um, quote-unquote, cheating maneuvers. Yeah. There are certain refs that are like, okay, well, I know you do that, so I'm start. I'm going to start calling you on it. And uh, so there's one guy who refs us almost every Sunday. He's pretty keen to my my tricks. You know, we used to play the media, and maybe we'll do it again someday. We used to play the Alberta Pandas ringette team in a charity game. And uh, Does, do the Pandas still have a ringette team? Ah, uh, well, I assume so. Maybe they don't anymore. I've never seen a maybe lick Cole- of it. Maybe well, no. See, here's the thing: they are not run under the umbrella of U of A Athletics. They do their own. The Pandas Ringette team has raised more money than you can imagine uh, with the tournament here at the mall. So they aren't under the umbrella of the U of A sports. Is so because I know the there's there's no Bears rugby team. There's a Pandas rugby team, but because of balancing out men and women's sports, they don't have a men's rugby team. But they have it's like a a rugby club at the U of A, and that they still play and they're very competitive. But they don't. Is it something similar to that? Maybe. (sighs) Okay, Paul Hot was in. He was in charge of it for many many years. He Gregor uh, was would have Paul on all the time, uh, in years past. But again, since COVID, you're, you're right. I haven't really 
kind of paid attention to. I mean, I, mean, I get them, the emails from Connor Hood every week. and uh, they're, Again, they're not under the umbrella of that, the U of A. That's, that's, so they're yeah. told, and even when I was going there, I'd but never heard anything about out of them. Any, they are in the community raising more money, awareness for everything than any other U of A team. There's no denying that. Uh, anyway, we would play a media game against the uh, Pandas Ringette team. And it was a charity game, and it was very light. It wouldn't be like the Critters, but it was light. And there weren't any penalties called, really, not too many. But I was kind of, you know, a lot of hooking and holding and whatever. And I asked one of the referees, I said, if you were calling a game normally, like how many penalties would I have had? At least 12, he said. (laughs) You would have had at least 12 penalties that I saw. Yeah, well, that's the yeah. big thing, right? So. You, know, you can only get called for what you what's get seen, or at least that's what the refs try and tell you. Uh, to break away, talk a little Elks for one second. The schedule was released yesterday. I know yes. you and Connor were talking about it on Fantasy Frenzy a little bit yesterday off yep. the top because it was released right when we went off the air. Well, your take on the schedule, I think a lot of people are happy with the schedule. Uh, it starts off at home with Saskatchewan and it's a five o'clock start for me. It's day and time mm-hmm. is the most important thing. Five o'clock start on a Saturday. Perfect way to kick off the season against Saskatchewan. It's the 75th year of the Elks. Uh, if you've got uh, a response to the Elks schedule, please give us a shout. I'd like to hear what you have to say. One eight three three four zero one fourteen forty. Then it's a, a second home game right off the hop with Montreal here. And that is great because now you got Jason Moss, you got the Great Cup champion. It's a Friday night game. It's seven o'clock. It's perfect. It's perfect. A perfect way to start the season with the time and date. Now, here's where I have problems with the CFL schedule, not just the Elks. So in week six, the Elks return home and have a Sunday home game. This is after a couple of road games in Toronto and BC. Week six, the Renegades are here. Uh, sorry, Red Blacks are here. And it's a five o'clock start on Sunday. Two weeks after that, a five o'clock start Sunday. Then two weeks after that, a five o'clock start Sunday. Do you like 5 p.m. starts on Sunday? So that is three games right in the heart of summer. Five o'clock on a Sunday. Listeners, do you like the five o'clock starts on Sunday night? J.C. Glazer says, love the schedule. No Thursday games. More earlier Sunday games means my young son can attend more games. Okay, that's an early game Sunday. Yes, it's earlier five. Would it not be, I guess, more appropriate to maybe have more Sunday afternoon if you want to move it up? even a little bit more. Do you like Sunday starts at 5 o'clock for home games? That's the question. We'll get into um, other ass. I mean, <laughs> J-Dog says, I'm down for s- Sunday at 5, but two, only two would be my preference. Dave says, I'll never spend another dime with them until they change their name back. But Sunday is fantastic. You can go to the lake or camping, do whatever you else you want to do. Uh, HVAC Nick says Saturday games at 5 would be way better. If it's a Sunday, it's got to be in the afternoon. 2 o'clock games. J-day, J. Oh, yes. Okay. 
two, oh, okay, I'm down with Sunday. Uh, I read J-Dog wrong. I'm down with Sunday, but 2 o'clock is what he wants. Duke, okay, as a, I can tell you, I will not be going to the Sunday 5 p.m. games. I just, I, I, I don't like them. If they were earlier, maybe. I, I just don't like Sunday at 5. And I know what they're trying to appease the Eastern audience to be at 7 o'clock for the American television that they want to get on, that they want to show in summer where there's no football on in the United States. That's why. And the, the Elks aren't the only team for Sunday at 5 o'clock our time, 7 o'clock Eastern. That's the direction that the CFL wants. Do you like it? Uh, I, I think I do. Uh, like the five o'clock, I think that's a close enough line for, like I said, once again, I get just what you're saying about uh, appealing to the Eastern side of things. But for us here, that's early enough that like a couple of textures said, it's early enough you can still um, take your kids or something because you're, you're not getting home in the wee hours of the night or anything. Uh, uh, and I mean, like I said, it's, it's summertime for ma- majority, uh, if not all the games, right? So I like the two o'clock idea, but once again, that cuts into what what David said about like if you're out for the weekend, going to the lake or, or maybe on a road trip or something, you're you're, you're harder pressed to get back in time mm-hmm. for that two o'clock game. Whereas five o'clock, you get back from the weekend, you're like, what are we gonna do tonight? Oh, you know what? Let's take the kids to the game uh, if they're not burnt out from the weekend already or something. So I I can see both sides of the argument, but I think I would if I were to in, attend a game on Sunday. Uh, at a CFL game, I think I'd prefer a 2 o'clock start as well. I do like the fact, again, times, there's only one game late in the year, and it's in October. That's going to be a Friday. I think they say 7.30 start, so it'd probably be a little bit later than that. Mm-hmm. But, again, I'm not a Sunday 5 o'clock start time. Just aren't. Uh, here's Jamie. We are have friends, family that drive in for many games. But for 2 p.m., not for 5. We're not coming mm. in for 5. Well, like as soon as you tack that on, right? Like, let's just say my uh, someone from my neck of the woods, a 2 o'clock game, you can still get home mm-hmm. to, you know, for supper time and go to bed, whereas 5 o'clock, once again, you're getting home very, very late to, to go to work uh, Sunday morning if you're sending the kids off to, to somewhere, whatever. Yeah. Um, that makes for a late night. Uh, HVAC Nick says, to appease for ticket sales, you'll get more people wanting to go out on a Saturday evening, I agree, than Sunday. Uh, concess- concession uh, beer sales will be up on Saturday. Obviously, it's Sunday night. I don't see it. Uh, Alisa says, uh, perfect for young families and summer camping. Matt says, Sunday is perfect. You can go camping all weekend. Uh, Sham says, uh, maybe they focused the group Sunday at 5, found that not all the name changers would attend, uh, not too late. Some of them are interested in supporting this. That's from Chef. But again, it's it's the 5 o'clock to me, I'm not a big fan of it. Maybe some people are. We'll uh, see what shakes down. SKS is in the house. Sean Smith from our sales department. What's up? Just coming in to talk or what? Oh, okay. I thought maybe, uh, how come you weren't at the... Yes, we're on the radio. Yes, we're live. Here, sit up. To, put the mic on. Put the mic. Uh, how, so, uh, what's this? You weren't at the Critters game last no, night. No, no, no. I was. Uh, sometimes. See how gotta, the mic works. You got to talk into it. Sometimes you got to be a fatherly figure. Oh, and, I uh, see. Go okay. and take care of. Good uh, for you. Coaching. So I was coaching my boy in in uh, Stony Plain last night. They had mm. a tie. 
Ooh. Tie game. Probably the best game they played all year, but it was... Uh, so the Duke took your place on the Critters roster. I, I hear that. Well, I was just going to ask, uh, Sean, if he had the chance to review my game film yet. <laughs> I checked the tape. We... <laughs> Yeah, well, you drank enough, so you're okay. <laughs> that well, that, right in that was the thing. I was like, if this does end up being my only Critters appearance, I'm going to make it uh, worthwhile and get my fill of uh, pizza, pie, a few well, pops, and uh, and then some delicious spaghetti they sent us out the door with the uh, Leave and Rimby. Ooh, that was oh, good. Oh, really? Oh, man. Homemade? With meatballs. Oh, no way. They went meatballs? So good. See what you missed? Wow. So now you know what it's all about, right? Duke, you got it all about. Now you know... <laughs> That uh, we don't win, or sorry, we don't lose. We always Which win. I'm a big fan of because I lose at more than enough other yeah. things uh, throughout my sporting endeavors. Builder. Big time. Like, it, think about it. Now I played that game Thursday. I'm going to go into my beer league game Sunday night <laughs> flying high. I think I'm uh, I think I'm the best player in the world after oh, I was come on. putting the puck on Santa's tape wide Wake open the up. slot and he no finish. We already well, went through your shootout move and everything. Well, that it's was, not happening. Well, yeah. I, I doubt I'll get tapped for the shootout again for the Trops if we ever uh, are in that situation. And KK was uh, KK looks like an all-star every yeah, day. Yeah. There, so. uh, yeah. Sean Smith uh, just slipped by the stu- Stingray Studios here, uh, 1440 in the mall. What's up uh, over the next little bit for the Stingray family here? Uh, it kind of slows down a little over Christmas. Well, I, you know, we always try to say do we enjoy Christmas yeah. time with the family and everything else, but uh, we're going hard just making sure we see all our clients saying mm-hmm. hello and thank you and all the partnerships that we have, if we appreciate it so much. So it's a big part of it. Uh, it's the biggest part of it. Biggest parts of relationships and the partnerships. Absolutely. You no, know, we, we, we love every one of them. That's for sure. So, and everyone's happy that we've got sports radio back on the air. Well, sports 1440 helps a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You no, know, it's nice to have, have them on, have you guys back on and, uh, we look forward to 2024. Should, be, should I, be great. I noticed just walking by to the coffee machine, there's a big spread of like, you know, dainties and little treats by your desk, uh, but there hasn't been that warm, welcoming committee to slide over and sample. Have you noticed that, Duke? Oh, uh, no, Kev, I've sampled. Oh, Plenty. you have? The issue is, Kevin, as soon as you turn that mic off at, uh, at 10.55, you're out this door faster than you can uh, I've gone to the Oilers. Gone to the Oilers, man. Correct. But uh, but no, every time uh, when me and Connor are out here post-show, everybody comes by, oh, you got to go check out this baking. All, all courtesy... Of, I believe, Doug Mattis. Uh, Matisse. Yeah. Matisse, thank yeah. you. Uh, one of the engineers here. Which, if you meet Doug, the physical, uh, imp- like, he's so imposing physically, you would never guess that this guy has this fine touch with baking. But I sampled almost the whole spread. It's yeah, unbelievable. Okay. Well, maybe I'll get a little pregame going in. <laughs> yeah, I- oh, you see, and I pack some up and take it home. So oh, is that right? <laughs> hey, need a roadie. In case we don't see you again, have a great Christmas to your and family. Thank you. Sean, yeah. thanks for being a big supporter here of Sports 1440. Thank you. Love it. Merry Christmas to everyone. All right, that's uh, Sean Smith, sales guru here at Stingray. Uh, thanks to all our guests. Uh, we're 10 days before Christmas. It just doesn't feel like it's uh, uh, happening. It's just coming off so fast to us. Uh, thanks uh, so much to, uh, well, first of all, our co-host, Eddie Steele for Bonton Bakery. Uh, simply amazing that Eddie's been with us now for four months and uh, that Bonton has been with us uh, for a couple of months now. Uh, it's been an Edmonton fan favorite since it opened in 1956. The slow, steady approach, a tradition they're proud of. It shows in the products. Uh, order online at bonton.ca. Thanks to, uh, well, I guess we can't say thanks to Jason Greger, can we, for... 
hopping on at seven. If, uh, if you run into him down at the rink here, I guess you'll have to uh, <laughs> give him the gears a little bit. But yeah, Greg's uh, he sent the text. He he apologized profusely. Uh, yeah, still in He's the rack. A busy still, guy. still in the rack after that late one, grabbing all that good post game audio for us last night. So we appreciate his contributions that way. And I mean, hey, Kev, mm-hmm. thankfully, the uh, with the Oilers game being last night. Everybody's fired up this morning, so we kind of it was built nah, like the, the texters we were need the texters were our guest for that segment. Uh, so thanks to Eddie, even the Pillman just texted in. I love Eddie, uh, Mark Spector, Kenny Reed from Rogers Sportsnet as we went double barrel shotgun with the Sportsnet boys in the eight o'clock hour. Mark Long from the Associated Press, he covers the Jacksonville uh, Jaguars. David Dwork from the Hockey News and Lenny Anderchuk. Uh, it's going to be a great day at. Uh, Kinsman Twin Arenas tomorrow morning, 9 o'clock. Check it out if you can. Superheroes and the Edmonton Fire Department. Thanks so much to you, our listeners, for making it another excellent, excellent week. All your texts this morning were bang on, spot on about the Hall of Fame and the Tampa Bay Lightning. No question about it. Uh, Coming up at the the top of the hour, it is a fantasy frenzy with... Former Oshep T-Bird. Connor Halley and the biggest... Brandon Staley, booster you can imagine. Oh, <laughs> and the Duke of Delbert. At uh, 12 o'clock, the lowdown with Low Tide and uh, Alan Mitchell till 2 o'clock. Jason Greger and uh, the Jason Greger Show, 2 to 6. The month of giving, if you can, check out some of Greger's great uh, items today. It'll be superb. Again, 3000 bucks is what the dinner went for. We're... Uh, Eddie Steele, uh, David Schlepko. And it will be Eddie worth Sch- every penny every with, with you group of uh, degenerates and hooligans. It will be. It will. Maybe you can come be the maitre d' duke or something I was actually like wondering that. that, if I can come like pour you guys drinks or something. <laughs> yeah, you, you won't be pouring them, you'll be drinking them. Uh, thanks again to all our listeners. Just flat out super that you're a part of our show. Uh, coming up, top of the hour, it is Fantasy Frenzy. Before that, time now for a sports 1440 update brought to you by Michener Allen Auctioneering. The next public timed automotive RV auction is now on. View on site, then bid online at maauctions.com. Have a wonderful weekend. See you back here on Monday. Here is the Duke.